On principle, I can't negotiate with these people. Well, then you know what needs to be done. We're going to protect our citizens. Make no mistake, my brothers. The humans will draw first blood. And the air is still, and the light has fallen. There's only one question you must answer. stand with. A major pharmaceutical company has developed a way to suppress the mutant X gene permanently. They're calling it a cure. There's nothing to cure. Nothing's wrong with any of us for that matter. You of all people know how fast the weather can change. Did you find what you were looking for? The source of the cure is a mutant. More powerful than you. Something woke her, but she has to be controlled. You know, sometimes when you cage the beast, I can't do this. The beast gets angry. You have no idea. You have no idea what is upon us now. Fury that this world has never witnessed. Magneto's got an army out there. You go to war, you might not come home. She might not come home. You ready for that? We're not kids anymore. Hey, I'm not your father. If you want to go, be sure it's what you want. It's time we make our choice. If you're with us, then be with us. They wish to cure us. But I say we are the cure. Look at me, G. We can help you. We can fix it. We can make it like it was. Stay with me, please. Come This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me. And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Galactic greetings and hello and welcome to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com but also coming to you through the power of iTunes and Google Play and StarWarsUnderworld.com. Yes, indeed, we're back and we have an amazing episode, an extravagant, a marvelous, did you, did you notice the, the puns I Ooh. worked in there? Yeah, yeah, it's Intergalactic Pun Coalition, <laughs> it's back, and we're doing it, and yes, we are going to be talking more X-Men tonight. Last time, we talked about X2, before that, we talked about the original X-Men, and tonight, we're going to be finishing off the trilogy with a discussion about X-Men the Last Stand from 2006, and 
I have a lot of thoughts. I think we both have a lot oh, of thoughts, yeah. but I especially have a lot of thoughts. Um, I'll try not to to hate on this movie too much. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I'm just gonna <laughs> say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's it, it might be a bloodbath tonight. I don't know, but uh, I'll try to keep it as fair as possible. I promise. <laughs> but uh, before we get into it, of course, introductions are in order. If you're unfamiliar have no idea what's going on. Of course, my name is Ben, and joining me, as he does for many, many episodes, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Jake Damon. Jake, what's going on with you? What's going on, man? I am feeling a little uh, gross lately. I I have a... a uh, I don't even know. I think it's a, a urinary tract infection. So that's Ooh, that's yeah. that's fun times. But uh, I'm I'm working my way through that, and hopefully to take my mind off a little bit, we can talk about X Men. I keep wanting to call X Men three, but uh, I mean technically it is yeah or X three whatever. But it's X Men: The Last Stand, 2006, not directed by Brian Singer, directed by Brett Ratner. So. Really? A little bit different, uh, a different direction here, and you know what? In a lot of areas in this movie, it really shows. And I'm, I'm gonna echo that. I'm gonna echo that. That, uh, yeah, it goes in some interesting directions. Some good, some actually really good, in my opinion. Some not so much. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird film. I'll say that's, that's my first impressions. It's weird, and I don't know how I feel about it totally. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that a bit later. Um, before we get into that of course i think we should discuss a little bit of news something you brought up right before the show was this little kylo ren comic that just came out a few days ago i don't think the uh the comic itself will be out for another couple months i think it's uh, january is when it'll be out Mm. but charles soul who for those of you who don't know is one of the premier Star Wars comic writers, had some Darth Vader runs, and has done some really crowd-pleasing work, and uh, he's working on The Rise of Kylo Ren, which, for those that don't know, is going to be about essentially the origins of Kylo Ren. This is going to be starting up, I think, right around the time of The Rise of Skywalker comes out, so we're potentially getting some really big secrets about where Ben Solo came from, how he became Kylo Ren, stuff like that. You know, all the stuff that the movies didn't tell us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it gives us a chance to have a great comic, and Charles Sewell is really awesome. And so the most recent update on this was the cover for Ky- The Rise of Kylo Ren, number two. And it's a really interesting thing because it shows... A young Ben Solo, a older Luke Skywalker, fighting the Knights of Ren. Yes. And I just noticed that Kylo Ren's shuttle is in the background. Oh, I did not notice that. The gist of this, that from what I can remember, that what was revealed is that the apparently the Knights of Ren existed before Kylo Ren existed. Okay. Or at least Kylo Ren was created. And... Apparently something goes down where they the students think that he's that Kylo or Ben Solo at the time has killed Luke and they like chase him out of the temple. I think there was something along those lines. I think that read, and then he, of course he goes off and apparently joins and becomes the master of the Knights of Ren. I always thought, hey, he's Kylo Ren, he's master of the Knights of Ren. He created these guys. Apparently not. 
and apparently even his shuttle is not his shuttle. It's something that maybe the Knights of Ren had, um, which is blowing my mind, like, simultaneously right now. I'm just really confused, and, like, this is really shaking things up, because I think a lot of people, including myself, assumed that the Knights of Ren were students from the temple, Mm -hmm. and apparently they're not. Yeah, this is very interesting to me, because I've, you know, I've personally, well, the, the Knights of Ren have kind of been a mysterious group of people. We see them in a uh, flashback force flashback in the force awakens. And um, I guess we're getting a better look at him here in the, uh, the rise of Skywalker, but it's always been kind of a question like, where the heck did they even come from? And uh, I, we kind of get a little bit of an answer here, even just in the cover art. I haven't even read the comic yet. And I'm, I'm like, where the heck is this going? Cause it's, it's Luke and Kylo Ren or well, not Kylo Ren yet, but Luke and Ben versus the Knights of Ren. And, uh, you know, what transpires here? Like, obviously, Ben didn't create the the Knights of Ren then, so they must have, have started elsewhere. And what are they doing fighting these guys? You know, what what's their purpose? Who were they sent by? So I'm really excited to see more into the story of the Knights of Ren. Yeah, because for one, one thing that's always tipped me off that maybe they aren't—they weren't, and obviously they aren't now—like students from the temple is because that they all, they, none of them have lightsabers. Yeah. Even though there's one in the background, and maybe maybe this is foreshadowing here, because there's one guy at the, the the top of the page that has these symbols on his helmet. They almost look like Japanese in a way. Oh yeah. And he's carrying a lightsaber. Maybe. Maybe he's master of the Knights of Ren, and and Kylo takes his place. But he's so far he's the only one of the Knights of Ren that has a lightsaber, whereas all the other ones have like these big blades and these guns and rocket launchers and all kinds of stuff. And we've gotten better looks at them from the stuff in Rise of Skywalker because they're going to be back in Rise of Skywalker. But I'm just wondering, you know, like ultimately it seems like they're going to be kind of sh- shrouded in mystery and like what what is their deal? And this makes me think that. Maybe they're not with Kylo in Rise of Skywalker. Huh. If he didn't create them, or maybe he was hasn't been with them this entire trilogy. Maybe that's why they haven't been around is because he was the master of the Knights of Ren that he abandoned them. And then maybe maybe they're back to to get him in Rise of Skywalker. Maybe yeah, that's my theory is that he he somehow uh, defeats the leader and takes his place it could be like a mandalore situation where like if you mm. you kill the head mandalorian you are now mandalore yeah like darth maul did that's very interesting and like they have to follow you regardless i don't know i don't know it's 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 just fascinating the lore that they're creating i like they're mixing up too I'm, I'm glad they're not just like playing into our fan theories that were they're actually like giving us something that's surprising um right and yeah, I am totally expecting Ray to just come along and wipe all these fools out. Yeah. <laughs> in the Rise of Skywalker. But hey, you know, at least we'll get some cool backstory and we'll know who they are when they die. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, I mean, that looks amazing. The art itself is, is amazing. And just trying to figure out, because this will be released well after Rise of Skywalker is out. So right. there won't be any secrets to, to keep at this point. So, uh, 
There we go. Yep. All right. So I think without further ado, I think we should just go ahead and jump right into The Last Stand. Let's do it. And because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, as I said, I have a lot of things to say, but I'm going to throw it to you first, Jake. Okay. Of course, I don't think this is the first time you've seen it. This is the first time for me. But what are your kind of like, do you remember your first impressions? What are your kind of overall thoughts on this film after you know revisiting it? Well, I, I remember kind of bits and pieces of it from when I saw it a long time ago, but I think I may have only seen it once or twice before, and that was years ago. So uh, rewatching it now, it was very, especially w- with the first two so recent in my memory, uh, just so apparent how uh, the vision of the first two didn't really carry on as, as well into this third one because yeah. of the different director. And... You know, I always hear this one bashed as like, oh, one of the worst superhero movies ever, yada, yada, yada. I wouldn't go that far after re- rewatching it. I wouldn't either. It's, it's not terrible. It's not the worst. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, I think my main issue with the movie is th- like things are just kind of dropped off or they're crammed in or things that you were expecting from the last one didn't carry on or whatever, you know, and that's part of the downside of having a different director with a different vision. So we can get into more of it, but I will, you know, basically first impressions after a long time are some good, some bad, but not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's when my first impressions upon seeing this just a couple days ago was like, it's, it's a weird film. It's a film that it do- makes a lot of weird choices. I I call it Batman v Superman itis. Yeah, I, I I felt like I felt after I watched Batman v Superman, which was yeah. like I don't think that was terrible. I didn't think it was great either. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here, and there's a lot of okay stuff, and there's a lot of like just not not out, not outright like terrible choices. There is a few of those, but there's also just some weird stuff, weird stuff that you don't really, you can't really explain like how that doesn't work or how it's just unsettling how it works in the story. Right. And I think this movie, knowing what I know of the comic lore and the movie lore and what they're trying to deal with in this movie, and I've heard other people say this, this is not this is not a new thing, and I, I'm not going to have probably any new takes. This movie's close to 15 years old and, yeah. and uh or over 15 years old and you know i'm just now seeing it so i probably don't really have anything new to add to this conversation but based on what i'm seeing like it, it's obviously a situation that they were trying to do too many things at once they're trying to wrap this all up they're trying to deal with mm-hmm. two big storylines which was the mutant cure storyline and the gene gray storyline yeah and I don't think either of those stories is reaches their full potential because they're both vying for screen time. Right. And they don't necessarily cross over. Yeah. Because, like, if you think of, like, Jean Grey comes back and all this stuff happens. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> this, this movie's 15 years old. Yeah, she comes back. Um, even I knew that, even though I hadn't seen the movie before. But you have this whole thing with, like, her unleashing her powers which has been hinted at since the beginning of this franchise so at least they were kind of seeding that but at the same time they get to that point and you'd think there'd be like a better movie would have 
mesh those two storylines together much better. Mm-hmm. Instead, what you get is Jean Grey just kind of being on the sidelines for a lot of it. Like, you know, she joins with Magneto not because she believes in being against the cure, mm-hmm. but because she's disenfranchised with the X-Men. Right. And she's being manipulated and she because she's she's basically out of her mind at that point. So it really doesn't matter, and it's just kind of like she's just tacked on to this larger plot of what's going on, but then she's a huge part of it because she can literally like probably tear the earth in half if she wanted to. Like yeah. she's that powerful. So it really is weird. There's a lot of really good stuff. Like you know, I'll get into it. the 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 final, I think, the final act is pretty strong and like action wise. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of good action beats in it. the The moment when Magneto takes down a an eighteen wheeler is Fantastic! Very cool. It's one, like one of the best Magneto scenes out of the whole franchise. P- pulling in uh, eleven from Stranger Things, flipping, yes. <laughs> flipping cars. Or eleven was pulling a Magneto. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Even though timeline wise, eleven would be first. She would, she would, she would have done that first. She yeah. done it in the eighties. This was two thousand. You're right. You're right. So anyway, but uh, yeah. So I think I don't know. We can kind of get into the, more of the plot details and whatever and about. How they think. First of all, I just want to go right up front. And I, I've seen this before. I, I I've seen snippets from this movie practically all my life. Mm-hmm. But the one that stood out to me and one that I've seen criticized a lot was the opening scene, yeah. which is Eric and Charles showing up at at Jean Grey's childhood home when she's a she's a kid. Yeah, and that first shot of D.H. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad. What's funny is that's the worst shot. I think they actually get better after that. For some reason, it's just when he... all the rest of the shots are not so bad, but it's that first shot where he just gets up, he stands up. He looks like a Terminator. Yeah. Like, he looks like a robot. Yeah. Like, it's really weird. It's creepy. I was watching this with my wife, Sharon, and she was like, whoa, what is so weird about their faces? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, so this is when they were starting to try and use de-aging technology, and it really wasn't working that well. I mean, I guess you have to give it credit because they were trying something new. Yeah. And, th- of course, this scene right here leads to, you know, Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. Right. You know, Tarkin in Rogue One, like, stepping stones. Like, it, it all leads to something. We couldn't and have those without this. Exactly. So they, they were they were trying, but it's, it's weird to me that of all the actors you're going to de-age, you do it on Patrick Stewart. <laughs> right. Who is like one of the most ageless actors living right now? Yeah, yeah. Like I just don't. He doesn't like. Like I think they just took a few wrinkles off him. Like he doesn't look that old in the present day. Right. At least back then, this was early two thousands. Like even now, like in Star Trek Picard, like he's just now starting to kind of show like he's getting up there. And but it's funny to think that they're de aging them to an age where. Where the James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender are supposed to be, so it's like okay, that's a bit of a jump. But. Just need a fan. Well, the idea is to redo that scene uh-huh. and just put McAvoy and that, those guys oh, in there. That would, I think, that would add so much. Like they could totally do that. They did it with Yoda in the Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah, and see, they got the kind of technology now. They wouldn't have to shoot it. They just put him in. Yeah. He'll just put him, have him perform the scene on a green screen, and then just put him in. Right. So yeah, do that. Fox or now Disney. Um, (laughs) But like the scene is great and they're setting up more stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I like that. One of the things I like about it is that the story has progressed between the movies. There's stuff happening. It's more, they're in a more positive 
area with the world. They've got a president that's kind of on their side. Like, stuff's happening. They've got uh, Hank McCoy, who is played by Kelsey Grammer, and he is fantastic. So good. I I had to bring up Kelsey Grammer as the Beast, because I think he's probably my favorite part of this movie, like, just as a character. He's just so cool. He is Beast. He it really is. He he embodies that, and it's funny. I peripherally knew about Beast for years, you know, Same. even not seeing these movies. But and I'd always like hinted at like, oh, Kelsey Grammer is playing an X Man. He's playing the Beast, and I'm like, what? Yeah, that's weird. Like Kelsey Grammer, Frazier playing a some <laughs> alien dude. Like that's crazy. But it works. But you watch the movie and you see why they did it. You see why they they approached him because he's he's playing this kind of this mutant who is this beast, yeah. but he's also this guy that's very diplomatic and this kind of this old school type of guy, and he's older guy that's, you know, been around for a while and he's also, <laughs> you know, a representative for mutants right. in, in the uh, in the world stage. So. He's the, his official title is the Secretary of Mutant Affairs. It's a great title. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and it also, it's just further showing that how, how far they've come in regards to you know, trying to fix things. But as we know, things are going kind of downhill. And one thing that surprised me was how quickly this movie moves. Yeah. Like, it doesn't waste any time. It's not like, there's not a lot of boring parts. And I think that's probably to its detriment because I think it could have slowed down in a few places. But, like, you're coming out of the last one and you, you've you lost Jean Grey and they're still trying to deal with this. And, you know, Scott's taking it hard and he just takes off. And, I mean, just almost goes right to her. Right. Gets her out of the water. And then, oh, by the way, he's dead. Yeah. Like, he gets killed it off. It happens so quickly. And it's just like, for a good portion of the movie, I'm like, where's Scott? Like, what happened to him? And then, you know, Wolverine later says, like, oh, yeah, she must have killed him. And, like, yeah. oh, okay, he's he, okay, he's just dead now, I guess. That, that's the way this is. Right. Which I, I have to go back to a line before that where uh, Scott is feeling really upset about gene being dead and they're walking in the school or whatever and logan is like hey man are you all right or or something like that and uh uh scott goes not everyone heals as fast as you logan <laughs> i thought that was a good line that that is a really good line yep. <laughs> gotta, gotta hand it to him that's a good one but yeah but yeah he he goes to the lake and he is like I don't know. He's having a an episode of something. I don't know. But uh, then he like blasts the water with his with his his laser beam eyes, and uh, a whirlpool starts, and up comes Jean, and yeah. inexplicably, and she's, got longer, she's got longer hair, longer hair, different clothes. Somehow, she just changed her entire appearance while underwater. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Don't know how that works, but it's just one of those things. It's just like, why? Yeah. Like, why did you do that? The only thing I could figure is that they wanted her to have longer hair for when she's like doing the dramatic stuff near the end, and her hair is kind of blowing. Yeah, like which I gotta say, I, do I think looked cool. I think I thought that it does, does look cool. But. but like, plan ahead, guys. Like, yeah, you didn't have to crop her hair in X two. Got to make sense, people. Or like, like give us a reason. You know, say yeah, yeah. You know, she 
her hair kept growing right. like the entire time. Like you know, thing you, I can accept that, but like, well, it's just weird. You you talked about how this movie could use some slower moments, and I think that the slower moments could have been Logan figuring out more about his past because that is that is a storyline that was completely dropped in this movie. There was no mention of Logan or his past from what I can remember. It just seemed like that was a thread in the first two and they were actually getting somewhere with it in the second one. And in this one, it was just like nothing. It is weird because I almost, I I know Jean Grey is a huge character in the Mm X-Men and she's a big character in this movie, but she's not really a central role. She seems just for me watching these for the first time, she feels more like a, more of a supporting role in regards to Wolverine's kind of the star. Wolverine's kind of the yeah. main player here. And, you know, it's fine if you want to put more focus on her, but, like, you're trying to... The, the Phoenix storyline, from what I understand, is a payoff to her arc. It's, you know, it's this building up of she has this power, she's seemingly kind of, you know, has some vague powers you don't really know about, and then she literally explodes out of her, and she, you find out that she's the most powerful of them all. Right. And so I, I get that, but... It doesn't feel like it's earned at this point. It feels like you've been following Wolverine and X2 plays so much into his backstory. It seems like the natural course of action is to, okay, let's pay off Wolverine's story and then keep Jean and maybe we'll bring her back at some point. Yeah. It seemed like they were really rushing to, okay, we've got Jean Grey. We need to use her in this way. And I think it ultimately stunted Wolverine's growth because ultimately his story is kind of serving hers. He's constantly chasing after her for the rest of the movie. Yeah, exactly. It just, the whole Gene thing seems kind of unnecessary to me. Well, and, it, and it's just, I keep saying weird, but it is weird. It's, weird. it's like, like she, she kisses Scott and then he's just dead. Like there's no explanation as to like what happened to him Ugh, and why he's dead. Yeah. And then she kisses Wolverine and nothing happens. Right. Or like she awakens and then runs out and then destroys the mansion. Like it's, there's just so many just strange things that happen and you're just you're tr- trying to keep up. And it's like, oh, okay, that happened. Like, oh, that happened. Oh, she's doing this and she killed them. And then they get to the house scene. Right. Which the house scene is incredible. Yes. Just on its own, it's absolutely incredible. The fact that they, I think they did a lot of that practically, where the house is floating, and it's her levitating the house, and they're all in it, and they're getting pushed around and thrown around. It's a great fight. Yeah. But going into this, I didn't know the context of that battle. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, the whole Gene let me in, all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I could glean, like, okay, something's going on, some kind of mind battle between those two. But I thought it was near the end. Yeah, it seems I thought like it was it a was climax like... battle, but it's not. It's smack dab in the middle of the movie, and it doesn't, like, resolve anything. Mm-hmm. It's like you're expecting, you know, and maybe it's naive to think that, oh, yeah, they're going to resolve that plot right in the middle of the movie, but, like, you think something that dramatic happens, there's going to be something good comes out of it. Yeah. There's going to be something like, okay, he's going to eventually sacrifice himself, but he'll get through to her. Right. And she'll come back. Yes. None of that happens. He just dies, and the house is destroyed, and they take her, and then it's over. By the way, and you have it written in the notes, he literally explodes. Like, there's... He did. He explodes. It's like there's nothing left of him. And, yeah, we'll talk about why that's weird later, but... (laughs) Yes, yes, we'll get to that. (laughs) But, uh, because that's, like, literally at the very end. But 
like it just blew my mind. I'm like, okay, that happened. Like, what was the point of that? What was what was what was trying to accomplish? And ultimately, it's just like, oh yeah, Charles is dead, and right. she's still out there. Like, you didn't advance the plot at all. You just killed off a character for no seemingly no reason. Yeah, I guess it was supposed to be heavy. It just came across as kind of silly to me. Like, what what was the point of this? Yeah, it it's. I feel like in a different movie, if you if you could somehow switch this back around, you take out the mutant cure plot altogether. Sure. Yep. And you build up to the house scene. That's your climax. Right. But instead, they felt the need to do that in the middle of the movie, and then oh, by the way, we're going to move the the Golden Gate Bridge in the end. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to be the climax in this big battle. It's the last stand, and it's just like you're trying to pack too much into this movie. And it's ultimately making these big dramatic moments not resonate. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's a fast-paced movie, but I think that the pieces in which it was arranged could have been rearranged for a better flow. I feel like there's. I feel like Topher Grace. <laughs> you know, he's he's legendary for his edits. Mm-hmm. I feel like he could edit this movie down <laughs> into like. An hour and a half. Yeah, for real. Like Jean Grey movie. Like Dark Phoenix Part 1. Yes. I don't know. I'm down for that. Or OG Dark Phoenix. And do that. Yep. And it could actually flow a little better. Um, Love it. Because, as I said before, I think the the general consensus seems to be like they're just trying to put too much into this movie. Mm-hmm. And the mutant cure plot, that's interesting. But it has nothing to do with Jean Grey. And Jean Grey... What she's going through, it's interesting, but it has nothing to do with the mutant cure part. And it's like, it's gotta, there's got to be a connection there. Yeah, I've got so many questions about Jean Grey and why she didn't do certain things. Like, there's so many instances where I'm like, wait, why doesn't Jean Grey just take all of these guns or needles and just throw them off to the side? Why does there have to be a big battle? It's almost like it's completely unnecessary. That's the thing, like, Magneta tells her to hold back at the end battle. Why? And it's like... Why? She can control everything. Like, she's literally unstoppable. Like, you sent her in first. Right. Exactly. So, you ultimately put this character in the situation just to have that one moment right. at the end where, spoiler alert, Wolverine kills her because that was the point of all that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, t- speaking of things that don't make sense, I this is one of the notes I wrote down, but back at the house scene where mm-hmm. Charles explodes... There's like part of the part of the brotherhood is outside of the house to keep like uh, the rest of them out, like Logan and Storm right. and all them. And Juggernaut is there, and he 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 gets into a fight with Logan, and he throws Logan directly into the house he's supposed to keep people out of. So how does that make sense? I saw that and I was like, what the heck. I just realized that. Oh my I God. just realized oh, that. Oh, I'm supposed to keep people out of this house. I'm just going to throw him right in. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, my. Juggernaut himself. Special. What What a ridiculously awesome character. Oh, man. <laughs> like, he's so stupid, but, like, I can't help but, like, appreciate just the absolute just just mayhem that character is yeah i mean and like he's just his power set is like oh yeah if he starts running you can't stop him yeah like that's his power set (laughs) right but uh i do like i do like the end battle when he's uh chasing kitty i like that you know she just pulls him into the into the thing and kind of shows off her powers but then 
she can't stop him. Oh, and yeah. He's like, I'm the juggernaut. Beep. Yeah. It was so cringy to me. I was just like, oh gosh, just go away. <laughs> but oh, speaking of other other like almost unnecessary things, uh, Angel. Okay, and at the very beginning of the mm-hmm. movie, right before the credits, the beginning or the opening titles start. Uh, it's this kid who, by the way, played by Max from Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Um, oh my! He's God. trying to cut his wings off because he's a mutant and has these like. He's like he's filing them off <laughs> after he's like I'm, and I was like, oh God, why? <laughs> and his dad's like, not you too. <laughs> and uh, and then later in the movie, he is like brought up by his dad to get this, you know, the cure put in him so that he's not a mutant anymore. And he's, he voluntarily gets into the, the bed things strapped down and then like right up to the point where they're going to put the needle in. He's like, I don't feel so good about this. And then spreads his wings and then jumps out the window. Why couldn't he have just walked out the door? What the heck? Like, do you think they were going to stop him or something? Like, I don't understand why he jumped out the window, but my, my note for that is uh, angel jumping out the window was very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it for dramatic effect. He had, to, he had to break the window. If you have a scene and there's a giant window somewhere, it's going to get broken. <sighs> Especially if it's a, in a tall building and the guy in the scene has wings. Yeah. Just the rules. Them's the rules. You just got to deal with it. But you could tell he was on wires and it just looked really bad, but yeah yeah and it's like that storyline doesn't pay off a whole lot like mm-hmm. he's just kind of there to kind of like be this i guess every man in this whole situation and he comes in and saves his father in the end and you never see him again yeah <laughs> like, i don't know I, you, again it's like that storyline didn't need to be there like you you didn't need that necessarily and i think like if you're gonna focus on the mutant current cure like do that but right there was no focus. There was so, so many things going on at once. Yep. And the, the whole scene with him trying to take his wings off just freaking drove me up the wall. Oh, God. Yep. But, okay, so another character that's kind of treated weirdly. Yes. And I talked about this last week is Rogue. Yeah. She's barely in this movie. She conveniently runs away. Well, not runs away, but she's like, I'm... I'm done here at the school and leaves and uh, comes back after the battle, you know, after everybody's fought and helped save the world. She's like, okay, I'm back now. Kind of cool that she got the cure so that her and Bobby could be together. That I thought was nice, but man, it was just like kind of bad writing to be like, okay, she's going to disappear and then she's going to come back and then that's going to be it. You know, I don't know. I totally get why she got the cure. And I, I totally understand, like, it makes sense for the character that she would do that. Yes. And I like her and Wolverine scene at the end where he's like, I'm not your father, I'm just your friend. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, you do what you want to do. But it's played, but the whole, like, dilemma that she's in is played up as, like, she's not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's played in the in the sense of, like, she's having this moral thing and she's thinking about it and she gets in line and then you, you cut away. And... You're expecting her to come back and go, oh, I didn't do it because mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yep. But she did get it. 
and she's just gone for whatever reason. She didn't help out. She wasn't allowed to be anywhere near in the in the final battle. Never, not actually allowed to play really any like major pl- point in the plot at all, which is sad. Mm-hmm. And then there's just this dumb love triangle thing going on between uh, them and Iceman and, and Kitty. Right. And he's like just being a total douchebag to her. Yeah. For no reason, um, which is also just frustrating. So, all in all, like, Rogue, again, a great character that I really like. I would love to see more. I feel sorry for the actress for not getting, like, she didn't get enough material right. in any of these movies, I don't think. Like, well, she got, she was the first character introduced in this franchise. Yeah. And she's just reduced to kind of this on-again, off-again kind of supporting role. Yeah, it just seemed like the first one, she was almost a main character like in the i feel like she was a co-protagonist with wolverine yeah exactly like she like at the near the end like she gets captured and there's this whole thing they're trying to use her powers right like she was an active player she was part of the plot and then the next two she's kind of there but she kind of isn't and this one she's just like she's just there like a little bit yeah and it just it gets less and less as the movies go on but um thankfully in uh in Days of Future Past, which is the one that comes after First Class, which is also a really good movie, First Class and Days mm-hmm. of Future Past, there's a rogue cut of that movie, which is like an extended edition with more rogue scenes. I think that one really does does a good job with making making her seem like she's supposed to be there. I've heard about the rogue cut. I'm, I'm now I'm gonna have to I, like I'm, I'll be in the dilemma to know which one I need to watch. Yeah, I I haven't seen it myself, but I would like to watch it. Yeah, that sounds good. I like Rogue, so I I, I feel like I should watch the Rogue. Yeah, cut. me too. She's so. she's a very interesting character to me. You know, the whole dynamic of not being able to touch people is just very interesting. Well, she's the one mutant that you could say like everyone else has badass superpowers. Yeah, and yet they're treated like, oh, you're a freak and you need to get cured. She's the one person that you could honestly say like, yeah, you know. You can't touch anyone. You can't live a normal life. Right. And you don't have any quote-unquote powers. Your only power is to take another mutant's powers briefly. Um, you know, that's not really that helpful. So, like, you can understand her taking the cure. And I guess the the end of her arc is 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 a good one, but, like, it doesn't feel earned again. It doesn't feel like it's 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 been built up enough to that point, which 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 sucks. Yeah. Yep. So, Magneto's doing a lot of stuff in this movie, as we said. Yes. And I do love the truck scene, and I love I love what uh, it's kind of, again. It's kind of weird, but it also I kind of like it how um, Mystique they just lose her all of a sudden. Um, she loses her powers. Yeah. And then betrays Magneto. Right. But I do like the whole thing with her, you know, getting getting rescued, and they get all the other mutants and. Uh, you know, this guy that can multiply himself, all this kind of stuff. I like that sequence, but again, it's like, oh, you've had this great character, Mystique, and you just, you, you take her out in like this almost accidental thing. Yep. Yeah. And Magneto's just so quick to be like, she's not one of us anymore. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess it's supposed to show like how heartless he is, but like, it's almost heartless for his standards. Yeah. Yep. You get the feeling that like they're buds, like, Maybe even more than Bud sometimes. Yeah, you just you think that bond's really deep, but it's it's kind of I don't know. It's like the important thing to Eric is that she's a mutant. Like being a mutant is the only thing that matters. 
Right, right. And, I mean, I guess he gets his comeuppance in the end because yeah. he is also turned into a human in the end. Right. Which is, you know, pretty satisfying, I suppose. Also, see, I second-guess myself mm-hmm. with this movie because, like, there'll be a good thing that happens. Right. Yep. And I'm like, is that really good, though? And it is good. I, I think that was ultimately what they were leading to is Magneto had to lose his powers. Right. Like, that that needed to be what happened because he was just going to continue on, like... And it's it's interesting in the whole. I like the social what they're doing with the the cure and what they're trying to say with like having this cure and having it be optional. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, it's not going to be optional. And Magneto says, no, it's not going to be optional. They're going to start forcing it on us. And in a way, he he's telling the truth. Like he, in a way, I guess they they don't go that far, but at the same time. You know, there is this dialogue, I think it's even between Xavier or maybe it's Hank McCoy that brings it up to the president. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're in a slippery slope here. Like, you have weapons that are used to, you take nine mutants. I understand why that's a thing, but at the same time, you're saying it's supposed to be optional, yet you're using this uh, as a force against mutants. And this could be considered bad. I guess it's better than killing them, though, so. Huh. Yeah, um, exactly. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's a dilemma, and I like that they go there, and I like that ultimately Magneto kind of gets what he deserves in the end. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like, it's poetic justice. Right. But, uh, so let's get into the final battle. Okay. We'll circle back around to whatever we need to, but I feel like I need to discuss a specific moment where I lost it. (laughs) Okay. I burst out laughing. (laughs) Oh no. And it's the scene where they, you know, Magneto, they're on the Golden Gate Bridge and he lifts it up, which is, an amazing scene. Yeah, I I get that it's maybe a bit over the top, and maybe he doesn't lack a whole lot of logic. Like, why can't he just, you know, take a boat? I mean, they really didn't have to build a bridge. Or why? And he has why if Jean is more powerful, didn't she just lift the bridge? <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, it had to be like you know Magneto doing his own thing. But uh, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Eric's line: Charles did always want to build bridges. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So good. So good. But they get there and they move the Golden Gate Bridge from where it is to like creating a bridge from San Francisco to Alcatraz, which has been transformed into this laboratory or whatever. And they get there and you see them like land. Like he drops the bridge. It's on Alcatraz. It's clearly daylight outside. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Like broad daylight. This isn't even like evening. It's like noon. Right. They step off the bridge, and like that, it's nighttime. Yes, I I didn't notice it, but I I read it in the like the goofs, and I was like, oh yeah, I was right in front of me the whole time. I didn't even notice it. But how ridiculous of a continuity error is that? I, I'm just I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, okay, you could have at least tried to. <laughs> <laughs> like hide this a bit you could have yeah. you know it could have feasibly like at that moment you could have cut to something else I, I, and then you cut to them going back thing and it's nighttime like it would still be weird but it wouldn't be as obvious right well i just i feel like it's something that could have easily been fixed with even like a filter or something like to make it daytime like just brighten it up a little bit or or whatever or, or like or like when he's moving the bridge like make it like most of that's probably CG anyway. So, like, just make it, you know, dusk. Yeah. And, like, it's clear that they wanted broad daylight for the bridge-moving scene, and they wanted dark for the battle scene. Right. 
but they didn't like allow, okay, you need some time in there to change because light don't work like that. The sun don't just go down in a second. Right. Like you gotta give this time. Yep. It's just, it was one of those things like, okay, this is what this movie is. Like, yep. this is, this is, it's epic. And then it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it was just personification of what last stand represents, right. which just, I, I, I couldn't help but laugh because I'm like, okay, that actually just happened. I can't believe yep. it. Pretty ridiculous. But as I said, the Golden Gate Bridge moving is spectacular. And being that I've actually been there, it's just more spectacular right? to actually see it. And, and it, like, it's cool. Um, Alcatraz is also a really cool place. And apparently in this alternate timeline, it's been changed to thing, which I don't think would happen because like, Alcatraz is like this historic place. Mm-hmm. It's weird that they turned it into a laboratory, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it creates this cool thing that happens on Alcatraz Island is that uh, um, I don't think there's this much room to actually like fight on Alcatraz now that I remember it not the places that I went on Alcatraz okay. like, there's, they have like this huge open area where <laughs> where they can uh-huh. fight and Alcatraz isn't that big but anyway the fight is pretty good you get to see kind of some of the power sets of both sides the mutants you know it gives them a chance to kind of show off their powers and and shows how outnumbered they are compared to Magneto's forces but also you know you have Kitty and and yes Juggernaut b- in there <laughs> and he's doing his whole thing and it's it's a fun sequence there's a few hiccups there's a few things especially when you get to the end but uh i think overall I really enjoyed that sequence just for the fact of, you know, once it turns nightfall, it's 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 on. Right. And I keep forgetting about parts that happened earlier, but I thought a really cool creative scene was in the woods when the uh they're trying to circle the brotherhood in the woods and they see that big group of people and then it turns out it's just that oh, multipl- yeah. multiplying man and uh, he goes back into one person again, and it just turned out it was him the whole time. I thought that was pretty creative. That I like that scene. Yeah. I, I, for, I completely forgot about that scene, but yeah, that's a oh man, yeah, that's really cool. But, I, I liked that they used uh, the Mister uh, whatever his name is Duplicity right. to uh, do that. That's really cool. Yeah. This movie is filled with moments like that. It's filled with like really cool moments that are just you know like oh if you saw it out of context you would think oh this is a great movie and maybe in reality it is a great movie it's just like got these things that kind of like trip you up and and for me like it would take like just going because i look i can enjoy a bad movie yeah i know there's several movies out there some of them being star wars movies that a lot of people don't like Mm -hmm. but i can appreciate them and this is the kind of movie that I could appreciate it for what it is. And I've learned to do that because there's no there's no uh, in-between on the internet. It's either you love it or you hate it. Right. And this is one of those movies where it really is in-between. It's not like you can just paint this with a broad brush. There is good stuff in here. There is weird, dumb stuff in here, too. It's okay to be both. Yep. That's I'm, I was fully expecting to watch this movie thinking it would be like one of the worst things ever, but it it wasn't. You know, I was surprised by a lot of the the good stuff. Yeah. So I mean, so you have the whole thing with Magneto and the uh, you know Magneto gets the cure mm-hmm. and the kid. I don't even know what happens to the kid. The kid is it's pretty interesting that the kid the kid's power is that he can. He's immune to powers. I, I I didn't totally get that. Yeah, it's like, and Sharon 
said this too. It's like, if his power is to make other people's powers go away, wouldn't that cancel himself out? <laughs> you're right. I, whoa. Okay. That's blown. You know what I mean? Yeah, Cause right. like his power is to that's his power. have no power. So wouldn't he just cancel himself out? <laughs> I don't know. But I was yeah. like, that's a very I mean, good point. It, that would make sense. Yeah. But, uh, that would make sense. But yeah, wow. it's, it's interesting. So I, I didn't quite follow the, the kid storyline as well, but that's where they get the serum for the cure. Right. Right. In yeah. essence, I got, yeah. I got most of that, I think. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and that's interesting. And, you know, it's, uh, I like the whole thing. I think, think the people that are actually doing it aren't necessarily bad. So you kind of feel for them when they, you know, they bite it. Yeah. <laughs> and they get killed. But, or at least the, the, the father doesn't get killed because his, his wing, his wingman. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> his uh, wing son comes <laughs> wing in to save son. him. Yep. I just made that up on the fly. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so. Jean is there, and she just decides, hey, now I'm going to turn it all on, and I'm going to destroy everything. Yeah. And then Wolverine has this big dramatic moment, and he's like, oh, you'll die for them or whatever, and he's like, oh, no, I'll die for you. And really poignant moment that I really liked, and you know, it's, it's great like visual effects and everything when he's fighting his way up there and his skin keeps getting blown off mm-hmm. um his shirt gets blown off but his pants conveniently do not come oh, off. oh yeah yep yeah so that's a thing <laughs> but uh and it's funny there's it's a woman doing it so you'd think there'd be more like yeah no i, I know exactly what you mean yeah 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 so he gets there and you expect to be oh it's this redemption he gets through to her no he just stabs her he just kills her <laughs> yep the woman he loves, the the person that they brought back to life, and then it's like, okay, what was the point of that? Right. Why did you, you know, what what did she do? Like, did Jean Grey actually do anything in this movie other than kill people? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. She, she murders Scott. Yeah. She murders Charles, and then she tries to murder like everyone in San Francisco, right. and then Magneto. Sto- I mean, Wolverine stops her. Like. What was the point? I'm sorry. I'm trying hard to, to, to figure this there, out. There really wasn't. It, it was just a mashed-in storyline, you know? It was, like, not a whole lot of payoff, and, and people died unnecessarily. It was just kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, and this is what I was referring to last week, is that it kind of still, in retrospect, you can kind of apply a lot of emotion to her death scene in X2. Right. That you know where she's going. You know that... Even when she comes back, she's not going to be the same, and she's ultimately going to have to be killed to to stop her. Like she's not the same gene. So the gene that we knew died in X two essentially. Right. Um, but they still like. I think the only way that situation works is if they come out and say, "Look, there's no way to stop her. Yeah. There, there's no turning back. You know, you just have to kill her off." And Wolverine would be hesitant to do that, but he ultimately makes the right choice. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just weird. Again, it's weird. It's freaking weird. And I hate it because I like Gene as a character. I think it would have been nice to end this movie on kind of more hopeful note than maybe he, he brought her back from the brink. Um, mm-hmm. But it didn't happen that like that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think we got a couple more things to discuss before we go, especially that post-credit scene, because it's a post-credit scene, and we'll talk about it. But uh, I suppose right now it's a good time to take a little quick break, and we'll come back in just a few moments after we hear a word from our sponsors and talk more X-Men right here on IPC. This is IPC. Hey, IPC listeners, this is Joey Mays, intergalactic patron and promoter of my family business, Mays Sandwich Shop. We are proud to be supporting IPC and the endeavors of young, talented individuals like Zach, Ben, and Jake. Should you ever find yourself in the area of Reading, Pennsylvania, be sure to stop by May's Sandwich Shop. Started by my grandfather in 1947, currently owned by my father and operated by my sister and me, May's Sandwich Shop has been serving delicious food to the greater Westlawn area for over 70 years. If you ever do visit, be sure to tell them IPC sent you. We are back with more IPC. We are talking X-Men, the last stand. The good, the bad, and the ugly of this movie. <laughs> I think we've been pretty fair so far. I think I've not bashed it as much as I thought. I, 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 after I first watched this movie, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn into like one of those critics where I just say all the bad things. But, uh, yep. you know, these, these discussions always teach me something about these movies and learning how to appreciate them for what they are instead of just, you know, bashing them for what they're not. Um, It's always good to be as fair as possible. Right, right, right. So, okay. So, we've been leading up to this. We've been alluding to this. And I think it bears mentioning. So, we get to the end of the movie and I have to say, it ends pretty unexpectedly for me. Okay. Like, it's just like, it kind of gets there and you see 
Wolverine on the the balcony mm. and just pans up to the sky. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. There you go. But then you get the little scene with uh, Magneto in the park, and he's and he's trying his best. And he, you can imagine that guy probably does not know how to function without his powers. Like you can imagine all the day to day things he did with his powers mm-hmm. that he can't do anymore. Exactly. Yep. Kind of kind of feel sorry for him, but you really don't because he was an asshole. But. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like the whole kind of hinting at, you know, maybe, does he not have his powers? Like, mm-hmm. could a mutant be too powerful to take down with that cure? Right. Magneto was one of the most powerful ones, so. Yep. And they, they kind of introduced the idea of classes in here, like different classes of mutant. And they were talking about, right. I think... Uh, I think Eric was like a level three or maybe four. I can't remember, but um, apparently it's really rare to be a level five. And that's what Jean was. Right. And that, that, that's what they say is that she's even more powerful than you. And he's like, oh, boy, like that's a that's a big deal. Yes. But yes. Uh, so that was interesting. But um, so we lead up, we leave with that. But the movie isn't over. Because in true Marvel fashion, even before they became known for post-credit scenes, there's a post-credit scene. And it's linking back to the earlier scene with uh, Xavier in his room talking to the students. And and for some reason, he brings up this thing about, oh, can we transfer consciousness to this guy in this bed or whatever in this hospital? And so... It, it brings us back to that moment, and I think your name, what's his name, Mo- what's her name, Moira, is there. Right, McTaggart. And you don't see his face, you never see his face, but then you hear Charles's voice, and she says, Charles, and leaves it at that, basically, that maybe Charles survived, or it seems, seems that he did survive. Right, which, how? Because he exploded. <laughs> And, like, I don't know if this is followed up in a future movie. I don't know. I haven't seen any of them past this. But seems really weird. Yeah. You know, and I guess maybe it could be it could be an interesting plot thread to pull up. I don't know what they were planning at this point because it felt like Last Stand felt like, well, it's the last one. It, like, they were ending this trilogy with this. Like, they were going to do any more. And obviously after this they went on to do, uh, what was it? Was X-Men Origins Wolverine, was that after this? I think so, because that one was 2009, and this is 2006, and there was a little bit of a gap there, so I think that was the next one. I guess that's, I guess Origins is why they really didn't focus on Wolverine in this oh, one, man, because yeah. they like they were like, okay, well, we'll do his as a standalone film. Yeah. And that worked out really well. Well, you really want to see a bad X-Men movie, that's the one to watch. I've... I've heard I've heard so many times Ugh. that it's and see you know going into this one I I don't know because there's movies out there that people like oh this is the best thing ever and I watch it and I'm like okay yeah well you know I I like to be vindicated in a way that like if I think a movie is weird like this one and then I hear that everyone else thought it was weird or or dumb I'm like okay well maybe I'm not so weird myself yeah well. I was surprised when this this movie that we watched was better than I remembered, and I, I feel like every time I watch <laughs> X Men Origins Wolverine, it's always worse than I remember. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, this was bad. It really should be the opposite. Like, it should you should be able to, like watch a movie and go back to it and go, okay, that makes sense more because I, I watched it a second or third time. Yeah, if you can watch it and find like more problems and it's worse, like that's bad. Yeah, yep. 
but that's the thing. I, I don't know the lore behind this movie. I don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff with this movie. Like, what were they planning? What were they going to try to do? Right. I know Fox had some pretty big plans with these movies. Like, it was... It came down to... There was something recently that somebody came up where they said that eventually Fox was going to build up to their own Civil War yeah. event, and it was going to involve the X-Men versus the Fantastic Four, I think. Yeah, and you you get vibes of that. I mean, X-Men kind of inherently has a vibe of Civil War anyway with the whole angle of, of Charles versus right. Eric, but... Honestly, the universe... The 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 universe this universe would work much better with the comic version of Civil War, yeah. Because the MCU Civil War is not it's kind of in name only. There's there you know there isn't a it's more about like oh there's these few superheroes and then they're split up. Whereas the comic is more about oh it's mutants it's throwing everything in and it's this bigger deal. And also there's a lot more people die in that one, but. Um, so it would have been really interesting to see, like, what they would have led up to with this, but, um, I don't know, you know, was Charles going to come back, you know, what were you going to see, like, you don't really get a sense of, like, who's leading the school at this point, they're talking about closing down the school, but then they don't, yeah, yeah I don't know what's going on with this, I don't know what they had planned, but it is, it is at least interesting. It definitely seemed like they were doing the whole sequel bait thing with the end because it it tied stuff up but also not really so but we never really got to see where that went and and honestly from x i I don't know between x2 and x-men the last stand there's continuity issues anyway but kind of where the last stand is it that's kind of the transition point from where it went from like a pretty good storyline to oh man continuity is just all over the place. And then when we get into the newer movies, it's like, well, let's just forget it all. Yeah, I had a I had a feeling just going into this. I'm like, it feels like Last Stand is where things start going off the rails. Pretty much. It feels like much. this is where, and not to say like everything's bad no. after this, because like I heard, I hear nothing but great things about First Class and Days of Future yeah. Past. Like there's a lot of good stuff in this franchise. All of this movie, it's kind of weird, it's kind of dumb at times, but there's a lot of good stuff in it. If you take if you take continuity and just forget about it, like pretty good stuff in there. Yeah, so I, I I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm interested to because I'm a big continuity like just kind of hog. I love seeing different things. Yeah, and, you know, looking oh this connects to this. Oh, me too. So it's probably gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, but and and. Hey, if you guys enjoyed this discussion on Last Stand and you want to hear more, please let us know because we we love feedback, but we also want to hear what you guys want to hear. So, you know, we've got a whole year ahead of us. You know, after December, I don't think we have anything planned. Mm. So we could very easily work in the next trilogy, if you know, First Class yeah. and all those after the new I'd year. So and d- I would love so that. Down for that. Um, and I already told you that I'm think I'm gonna go ahead and start watching these things, you know, keep on going through the franchise, even though I'm, we're not gonna be discussing them on the Do show. It. I just want to watch them. I just want to catch up with this because I'm into it now. Yeah, I it's I think in a lot of ways it just gets better. Um, even though X2 is a really high point, I really like what they do with the new stuff too. Right. 
All right, so I think we about covered most everything, at least in my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm sure someone out there is screaming, oh, you didn't talk about this! I'm sorry, we, we just can't talk about everything. We don't have all night. We're, we're, we're kind of running out of time here, so we need to start wrapping it up. But before we do that, of course, we have just enough time for final thoughts and our planet scores. And Jake, if you may, if you would like, I'm going to throw it to you first. Planet score... And your final thoughts. (sighs) So as far as my final thoughts go, just a a few of the notes I wrote down. It was was cool to see Bobby go full Iceman. Um, I like that. Yeah, my first time I ever saw Iceman was in Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And it was uh, him (laughs) and it was Spider-Man, Iceman, and uh, Firestar. And uh, Iceman looked a lot like how he looked in here when when he's facing off against his... uh, I guess it's his friend. I thought it was his brother, but I guess it's his friend. I don't know. But uh, Rogue totally wasted in this movie. Uh, Oh, Charles, I feel like, is more of a jerk in this than he is in the other movies. He's a bit more, like, more of a hard ass. Yeah, it's like, like, he was just so kind of mean to Logan when Gene disappears. He's like, what did you do? Um, But... uh, one of my favorite lines in this movie is at the beginning when Mystique calls somebody a pathetic meat sack. Um, I thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> I thought Xavier appointing Storm to take his place was a really cool thing because it, it, it really yeah. did seem like she would be a good fit for it. Um, oh, yeah. There was a line in there where somebody's talking to eric about xavier and eric kind of sticks up for xavier a little bit he goes charles xavier has done more for mutants than you will ever know my only regret is that he had to die for our dream to live thought that was really cool i really like that line i really like that i like the i, I like their i like their relationship in this yeah. movie that it wasn't just about uh you know, they don't hate each other. They're just on different sides of this war. It, you know, even after his death, like, you know, Eric is still, like, defending Charles. Like, you know, hey, dude, don't talk about my best friend right. there. So, anyway, those are my, uh, those are just a few final thoughts. But uh, as far as planet score, uh, I think we got a nine so far, uh, or an eight, a nine. And for this one, I, I think I could give it a solid 6.5 because there's, there's a lot weird and wrong about it but there's also a lot good about it too so it's 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 not quite middle of the road but it's also not not the worst thing in the world so i i am gonna give it a 6.5 out of 10 um see where do i go with this where how do i do this i could there's several different ways there's several different plan scores rotating around in my mind um overall i i there's a lot of there's a lot I like about this movie. It really is. Like I said, I like the end battle. I, I think there's a lot of, the, you know, the Magneto scenes, um, you know, him lifting the Golden Gate Bridge and destroying it, like, incredible stuff. Like, there's some really good imaginative, like, comic booky stuff in this movie, and I think it, it really is is a epic finale in a lot of ways, but so much of it falls flat because it's trying to do too many things at so many different angles it, it, for, for such a little amount of time. Right. And it's a shame because I think this movie really should be, I think maybe even some editing would probably, I joked about Topher Grace, but he could probably do something with this movie and make it really well. 
Um, because I think it just needs some trimming. It needs some storylines cut out of it, and ultimately, neither of the big storylines are served well because they're constantly vying for screen time, and that's not how it's supposed to work. And it's a shame, because I think Jean Grey's story is obviously, you know, it's, it's very compelling, and regardless if you know I like the conclusion of it, it it is very dramatic and it's it's very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then you have the whole mutant cure, which is very interesting. Very, it's a very it's it's just another layer to the whole social commentary surrounding mutants and that whole thing. And you know what what it means to be mutants and should is it even a disease? Should it even be cured? And that's a thing that's brought up in this movie. I like that, but. Right. Again, it's not that big. It's not as big as it should be. It's not done as well as it should be. And certain characters, like Rogue, don't get the play that they should. And it's, and it's a shame. Right. And so, you know, that's that's ultimately my takeaway, is that it's a movie with a lot of good ideas and then a lot of stupid ideas and a lot of weird ideas, including some just it them turning off the lights, literally, when they <laughs> drop the bridge. Like, you know, stuff like that. It just makes you go, why, you know... You made this movie and you released it in theaters. You let that slip by? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. But at the same time, like, I can appreciate this movie for what it is. Warts and all, it's 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 fun to laugh at the mistakes and it's also a uh, fun to clap at the really epic, awesome moments. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a seven, solid seven out of ten. Seven. Yep. Which is probably I feel like it's high. I, I think I think I was I was I, earlier I was thinking lower, but maybe not. I feel like I've talked myself up into I can appreciate this movie for what it is versus you know just constantly trashing it. Yeah, I mean I probably could have given it a seven too, but um, but yeah, yeah that's that seems like a pretty decent score for it, all things considered. All right, well I think we have reached or at least neared the end so i think it's time maybe for the quote of the night and this is one we picked out i think it's a great little scene between uh, not between but featuring magneto and they show up at this you know i love that kind of the the universe seems to progress enough where like mutants aren't the secret thing anymore like they literally have a sign that says no humans outside this church which is kind of interesting um but he walks in and, and, and makes some, some valid points. You know, ultimately, his goals are not the best, mm-hmm. as we've learned. Um, Magneto is kind of a bad guy, but he has reasons for why he's bad. And he's, you know, he does occasionally make some points. And the points he makes in this movie, in this uh, scene, are, are pretty, pretty, pretty solid. And it's a great scene. And it's just Ian McKellen just, again, eating up the scenery and, and, and making, just acting the hell out of this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead and take a listen to that as we listen to tonight's Quote of the Night. How should we as mutants respond? Here's what I think. This is about getting organized, bringing our complaints to the right people. We need to put together a committee and talk to the government. They don't understand. They don't know what it means to be a mutant. We need to show them, educate them, let them know that we're here to stay. People, you must listen. They won't take us seriously. They want to exterminate us. This cure is voluntary. Nobody's talking about extermination. No one ever talks about it. 
They just do it. And you go on with your lives, ignoring the signs all around you. And then one day when the air is still and the night has fallen, they come for you. Excuse me. It's only then but... you realize what you're talking about organizing and committees. The extermination has already begun. Make no mistake, my brothers. They will draw first blood. They will force their cure upon us. The only question is, will you join my brotherhood and fight? Or wait for the inevitable genocide? Who will you stand with? The humans? Or us? You talk pretty tough for a guy in a cape. Back off. You're so proud of being a mutant. Where's your mark? I have been marked once, my dear. And let me assure you, no needle shall ever touch my skin again. You know who you're talking to? Do you? And what can you do? Hmm. So, you have talents. That and more. I know you control metal, and I know there's 87 mutants in here, none of them above a class three, other than you two. You can sense other mutants in their powers. Mm hmm. Could you locate one for me? Such a good scene. It really is. And it's funny, I listening back to what the first guy's saying, like, mm -hmm. he actually has the right ideas. Like, he's saying, like, oh, yeah, we need to get committees. We need to, you know, educate the public. We need to do this and do that and, you know, talk to people. And, you know, that is the right way to go. Like, the reason there, there much, so much progress has been made is because you have people like Hank McCoy who are working in the government and improving things and having a president and a thing. And, but Magneto only knows violence. That's the only thing he knows. That's the only language he speaks is Okay, let's kill people. Let's kill the entire human race. How about that? Yeah. That's, how, that's how we can ultimately achieve victory, yeah. um, which is not the way to go. So, and the whole, but it's, uh, the whole line about him being marked once before, and let me assure you, no right. needle will ever touch my skin again, which is ironic I because that. it does happen. You're, oh, that is foreshadowing. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yep. yep, you're right. You're right. Wow. That is foreshadowing this movie does have layers all right you gotta look for them but you, they're there you, you you can't count any movie out any movie has there's some good quality there's something in there that is good all right <laughs> you know you can look at one scene and go oh they should have edited that out but you know there's other scenes that are good and this is as i said out of context this is a great scene and uh even in context it's a good scene it's a good scene in a in, in a movie mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it's a good or bad movie, but it's, it's a movie, all right? It, it's a thing that exists, and uh, we're still not sure about it, even 16 years later. Anyway, let's move on to another little segment that we discuss every so often. And it's, of course, the most famous segment. We keep saying that. I'm not sure we can actually back that up with facts, but whatever. <laughs> we're going to keep saying it. Get out your hashtags. Put them in the chat, social media, YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to go, tell the people it is time one more time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. 
you watch we're here and as usual i don't know where to go with this i'm never prepared for this don't always do this um i don't know was there any food in this movie was there any eating (laughs) going on in this movie that i remember Uh, i remember x2 there was a girl eating ice cream yeah yeah i believe we've talked about like the potential grossness of barbecue flavored ice cream. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's come up. Um, I'm trying to think nothing off the top of my head though. There's no like real eating scenes. Is there? I'm sure they're barbecuing in the woods though. Like in that hideout, they, they got to be barbecuing wild animals or something. Yeah. You'd think, you think um, <laughs> that it would be, uh, they, they'd have to do something there to stay alive. Um, all right, so the the only thing that I can really come up with right now, I'm just looking at the show notes, just, you know, shooting the BS right now, is I just, in my brain, made the connection to Beast, and then I went to uh, Frasier, <laughs> and then I went to Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs, <laughs> which is a song from that, from that show, that famous show. You heard it on this show because you and Chris talked about Frasier once upon a time by yourselves on IPC. Oh, yeah. um, I'm just wondering, like, how do you, like, it could, it could be interesting barbecue find that, and then I'm not sure about toss salad. And I'm not even sure how you put uh, scrambled eggs in toss salad. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, Never tried it. I could see, I don't know, you, omelets are a thing. Like, you can make a barbecue omelet, I guess? Yeah, you could. I mean, like, I the way I would do it is do pulled pork inside of it, and then, like, over the top, I would, because usually I put ketchup over my omelet, I would just put, like, barbecue sauce. See how that goes? Yeah, I like that a lot. You could put pretty much anything in an omelet, so I like that a mm. lot. I like that a lot, so... Sounds good. I haven't had an omelet in a while, but <laughs> yeah, I, like yeah. omelets for me, I gotta be in the right mood for an omelet. Yeah, they're a bit weird. They're a bit yeah. weird. Weird is my favorite word tonight. Obviously, <laughs> weird. Obviously. Omelets are weird. X Men: The Last Stand is weird. <laughs> That's the one thing they have in common: X Men, Last Stand, omelets. They're Your weird. connection they're between X Men: The Last Stand and barbecue is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just brought it back around. Beast. Frasier, scrambled <laughs> eggs, back to X-Men. There you go. We come full circle. Now we can end the show. Yep. <laughs> because it's ca- that kind of night, guys. All right. Um, so we're, we're getting close on time here, so I think we should go ahead and wrap the show up. But before we do that, of course, I want to give a shout-out to our loyal patrons, the people that help keep the lights on and support us with their cold, hard cash. Um, one of them being Mr. Joe, Jake Damon hey. here. And we also got Joey Mays, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott, and Carrie Fleming. Thank you all so much for your support. If you want to become a patron, you want to get some cool extras and some cool bonuses, um, go to patron.com.podbean.com slash IPC podcast and uh, go sign up there. 
um, and you keep the show on, and you get a shout-out on the show every single week, as we do with all our patrons, and it's a lot of fun, and you get to support the show and keep us going and uh, help us do awesome things because the more patrons we have, the more funds we have, the more stuff we can do. We can go to conventions. We can do all kinds of stuff. We can create, you know, all kinds of stuff. I brought IPC stickers to Star Wars Celebration and gave them out to a few of you guys, and if you support us in that way, you, I can do that more. And I still got some of those stickers, so I'll bring them to the next celebration. But, uh, yeah, love doing stuff like that, and that's always a lot of fun. Um, you can find us on Podbean. That's our host site, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. Um, you can find us, of course, on StarWarsUnderworld.com, which is... Uh, where they post our episodes, or should I say, I post our episodes there because I'm both. You, you get the connection here. <laughs> and, uh, of course, StarWarsAndRoll.com is where you can find all the latest breaking Star Wars news. We just had the big trailer that we talked about last week, and there's even more stuff coming out now, so go check that out and uh, find everything that I do over there, uh, which is pretty much everything that I do is on that site. Um, everything else you can find at... Ben Hart with no E on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and then you can follow the IPC podcast at IPC podcast on Facebook Twitter and Instagram be sure to do that and Jake first of all thanks so much for joining me tonight and please tell people where they can find you on social media and what you're up to yeah man it's always a pleasure to be on here Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Damon. You can find me on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. And uh, you can find my podcast with my brother Andrew about uh, rewatching Ben 10 called Ben 10 again on uh, Spotify and Anchor. And uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, basically right now a little bit of a hiatus. We're recording a new episode tomorrow. But uh, I need to get some new cover art made. I just haven't really had time lately. But once I get that up, <laughs> I will be posting the newest episode, which should be episode 12 or 13. I can't remember. That's cool. Yeah. Please, please check that out. Yeah. We and, have a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, that's all good stuff. And uh, also, please check out our Tee Public store, our merch store, tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast where you can find all sorts of good stuff, help support the show, and also get the word out about IPC, wear our swag, put it on your phone cases, wherever you want to go, and uh, it's always a lot of fun. Um, I, th- I think that's it. I think we did it. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add, Jake, I think we, I think we uh, conquered this thing. Yeah, I think we did it. Alrighty. And I think... I think that's going to about do it for us on IPC. This is episode number 260. 260, guys. We made it 260. 261 is up next. Holy crap. This show keeps getting on. We're, we're, we're shooting for th- episode 300, which is crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. It'll be here before you know it. But, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode and for myself. And Jake and Zach, wherever he is, hopefully he'll be back with us uh, very soon. This is the IPC Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. But before we leave you, we're just going to leave you with this closing thought. Choose your enemies wisely. 
as they may be your last hope. We hope you choose to revisit the IPC podcast one day soon. But until next time, good night, everyone. Don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch! Language!